Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview, call me Adam.com. Hey everybody, it's Adam and I'm back in the closet where I do all of my podcast and video interviews. And today I am so excited to be talking with actor and singer Anne Harada, who's known for such roles on Broadway in Avenue Q, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella, Into the Woods, and Les Mis. She can also be seen in Apple TV Schmigadoon, and now she's starring on the studio cast recording of a new musical called The New Peggy. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Rothenberg, and for the past 14 years, I have been going behind the curtain with celebrities from the world of film, television, theater, and music. With over 1,500 interviews under my belt, I get my guests to pull back the curtain on their lives and careers. So without further ado, please welcome Anne Harada. Hi, Anne. Hello. It's so nice to see you and get to catch up with you. It's been a while, for sure. It has. It has. So I'm super excited we're getting connected today. And we are today talking about this new studio recording of The New Peggy. So... Was this a role you had to audition for, or was it a part that was written for you? Oh no, I it was not written for me. Um, I was I was called and like, would you be interested in doing this? Okay, you know it's one of those situations. But it was all written. There was I had zero input. Um, but you know, I just thought it was funny and weird, and I liked that sort of thing. So it was kind of a no brainer to try to do it. Well, I love your comedic talent, so, and you do bring that to the studio recording because I can hear it through the songs. Well, I'd like to think so. Um, you usually don't hire me if you're trying to be serious 100% of the time. I mean, you could. I can do that, but people don't usually think it'd be like that, so. <laughs> well, it's always nice to hear your comedic chops and to smile through laughter from what you do. Thank you. You're welcome. So what do you relate to most about Peggy? Oh, I think it's so relatable. You know, I'm a middle-aged woman, um, and I've been lucky enough to sort of have some of my dreams realized, but she hasn't had any of hers. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I've worked in offices. I've done, I've been a secretary. I've, you know, I've done all that kind of work. And to me, it's like, if your whole identity is wrapped up in your job that and you have a boss that doesn't appreciate you and you know it just feels like this woman has been thwarted like her whole life um and i just feel like that that sense of like frustration and um it's very easy to relate <laughs> definitely i think everybody has had uh, a boss who hasn't appreciated them and felt like they've been running the department or the company right, or wherever they, they did all themselves. No yeah. one appreciates you, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then compounded by the fact that she's been in love with this guy for how, 25 years or whatever, and he could not, doesn't notice her, has no idea what she looks like, anything, you know. Um, now, should she be in love with him? No, he's a horrible person. And <laughs> you know, there's like, I mean, like in a way, there's like no redeeming sense of this love 
bought because it's completely unrealistic and stupid. But it's it's it just like goes to show you like you can fixate on things if you're kind of not based in reality a hundred percent. And it's like uh, you know things spiral out of control. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, how many of us have fixated on something, whether it's uh, somebody we are attracted to or right. anything? I mean, there's so anything. many things you just get and you can't get it out of your head. Right. And then, you know, if you follow your worst instincts, like I think this is one of those like scenarios where she she follows her worst instincts <laughs> <laughs> because she can. Right. Um, and yeah, and things go haywire. Yes. Yes, they do. But what's one characteristic of Peggy's that you yourself are glad you do not possess? I'm really glad I don't. I have never had a crush on my boss. <laughs> any of them. I've had many bosses. Never ever had a crush on any of them. Oh my gosh. That is, you're very lucky. Yes. yes. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. I want to tell you a personal behind-the-curtain story that I may not have fully shared here. For the past two years, I have been part of an amazing community built for and by entrepreneurs called My Sexy Business. We have a wonderful weekly live streaming show called GME. Good morning, entrepreneurs. As an associate producer and roving reporter, I can easily say this show is for you, the entrepreneur who is in search of community and getting your questions answered. Our co-hosts and roving reporters share life experiences that will hopefully make you feel less alone on your entrepreneurial journey. We'd love for you to join us every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at MySexyBusiness.com. And now we're back. And what do you think audiences will resonate most with about this show? I just think it's a, you know, I mean, it's a story that, you know, does not end well, but it's about a person who really only wants to be seen. You know, she just wants to be noticed and appreciated. I think that's everybody. Everybody just wants that, right? Definitely. And she is somebody who worked so hard to excel in her job and she runs the office by herself and she's, you know, she's like an overachiever, right? So it's sort of like, I've done, there's nothing else I could do, you know, to, to be better at this job. She's really good at it and still nobody cares, <laughs> you know, and she is not in a physically attractive person. She's not somebody who's going to stand out that way or you know what I mean so it's mm -hmm. sort of like she can only do it by her merit and in a way I sort of think that is the most likely in the sense of like you know yes am like am I the prettiest person in the world no am I do am I the best singer in the world no am I this my that but like I do work really really hard and I feel like every Everybody can relate to this character because it's like, I'm doing the very best I can do with the tools that I have. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely, definitely. I would rebuke some of those things you say you're not good at or you saying, don't like, look, you know, but, my, but I know what you, know, you mean. Yeah, everybody feels that way. I mean, right. I know when I when I first started out, I had these like amazing dreams of being this 
super famous actor. And the reality was I wasn't a very good actor. I'm not a good singer. I can't sing on key. And that's sort of how I went into like stand up comedy because I was okay at both of those. And I felt like, oh, here's a medium where I could combine my okayness and sort of excel a little bit. But then that didn't go anywhere either. So that's why I'm sitting down here in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we all have those, those, those qualities and thoughts about ourselves. So we've talked a little bit about um, that the show is about the secretary named Peggy who has been stuck at her desk for 25 years and she's pining after her boss. So how do you pr prepare to embody this character? Well, it, it, it's not very hard to prepare um, because I'm, you know, an older woman. <laughs> um, uh you know, I can I can identify with like all of these feelings that she has. I don't feel like it's that much of a reach, you know. Um, but I also this isn't something that's ever been produced either. Mm -hmm. This is a recording, you know. So to get into somebody's mind, head and like go, I can identify with this person, and then I'll sing the songs. That's much easier than having to like actually do it on a stage. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that actually leads into my next question, which is, do you prepare differently for a studio recording as opposed to a theatrical show? Like, do, do you warm up differently? Do, is... Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> thing, I never warm up. Oh, I wow. Never warm up. So, you, so you just like show up and, and yeah. Magic just comes out of your mouth. That's right. Oh my god, oh, magic! Um, you know, we we rehearsed this thing. Mm -hmm. it's a, I mean, it's a very difficult music. Um, and it was a long time ago that we recorded this too, so I barely remember so much of the thing. And when I listened to it again, I was like, "Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that song." You know that whole thing. <laughs> but um, I remember us like slaving over the the music the harmonies and it's i mean it's very difficult yeah and also we did present it like at green room 42 mm -hmm. yeah so it's like you know we're doing the stage reading of it kind of situation and that was so much fun because you know you actually have the other people there yeah just like Play your but, mm -hmm. and how long ago did you record it because you mentioned i don't it's been know a really <laughs> long time ago it was definitely before the pandemic oh wow it's it's super old. I have no idea. That's amazing that here it was recorded sometime pre-pandemic and now it's just getting to see the light of day, which I think actually is a great point to show how long something can really take oh, yeah. to come to life for everybody watching and listening. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, most shows, a lot of shows are like that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Um, another part of the show is that a manila envelope arrives at Peggy's work Monday morning and in that envelope she gets disastrous news that turns her world upside down so my question is to you has there been a time you started your day like it was any other day only to have it turned upside down of course and I'm sure this happened to you as well September 11th mm -hmm. yes. um, I was uh, it was the first day of rehearsal for a show I was doing um, regional, regional theater. So I was in Baltimore and I was up because we had first day of rehearsal, right? It's like, you know, 10 o'clock start. So you 
I got up like at eight and I was, you know, pottering, buttering around and then I turned on the TV and then everything went to hell. Right. So that's the most like, oh my God, you know, like then nobody could function. None of us could do anything for a day. Of course. Of course. Um, yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I was coming into the city to go to work, and I remember I got in a little earlier than usual because I had a phone interview because I was trying to get a new job. And I finished, like, that phone interview from, like, a few blocks away from my office so nobody would see me. And then I got upstairs, and and that's when I found out what what was happening. And and I think I... Think I, I I left shortly after to to walk down to my dad's office in the city, and we ended up staying at his coworker's house that night. Oh, where did your dad work? He worked in uh, Midtown, so it was um in the Flatiron District, and I was sure. in Hell's Kitchen. So, okay. and then we stayed at his coworker's house, who lived in I think she lived in Chelsea or something. But there were like you couldn't get back. We your... couldn't get home till because at the time we were living on Long Island, so we oh, couldn't yeah. get home. Yeah. Because the right. trains weren't running by that. We're point. running, right? Yeah, right, right, right. yeah. Oh, all right. So now we're gonna have a little fun with the new Peggy. Oh, so right. I want to mash up a few of your past theatrical shows with the new Peggy. So, what do you, what advice do you think Christmas Eve would from Avenue Q would give Peggy? I would say she would say, "Get over yourself." <laughs> yeah, that is Christmas Eve's advice to almost everybody, but like definitely to Peggy. I love it. I love it. So if Madame Tenardier from Les yes. Mis were yes. Peggy's boss, yes. how do you think they would get along? Well, <laughs> I thought about this one a lot. Um, I think they'd actually get along really great because Madame Tenardier is a real taskmaster. And Peggy really likes to be, like, the best one. So I think Peggy would, like, do everything she's asked. And she would do it quickly and efficiently. And Madame Tenardi would be like, you're awesome. Because as right now, Madame Tenardi doesn't have really any help except for stupid little Cosette. Yeah. And she's terrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Peggy would be a welcome addition to her yes, team. Yes, that helps a Yes, yes. And if Charlotte, who was one of the stepsisters in Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, were friends with Peggy, what do you think they would do together? They would go shopping. I think we would go dress shopping and shoe shopping and everything because, amazingly enough, they are the same size. (laughs) I love that. And they have the same figure flaws. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So they'd be able to, like, help each other out. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And how do you think Pile of Poo from Emojiland would be a mentor to Peggy? Well, I think Pile of Poo, Pile of Poo's whole jam is like, as we used to say about watching, like, the Ricky Lake show, she has to get some respect for herself. So (laughs) um, it's like Pile of Poo would, would be like, you stand up for yourself, miss. You're the, you know, you're the prize. Quit trying to like please everybody so much and please yourself. And that is something that if Peggy had taken that advice, we wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> I love it. Well, now I need to know what is something you 
haven't done yet that you would still like to? In my life or in my work? I'm going to say both. Okay. Um, (laughs) Well, in my life, I would like to... I would like to travel to certain places that I've never had the opportunity yet. I would like to go to Japan. I would like to go to Venice. Uh, you know, like places like that. That kind of like I've always been in the back of my mind, like, what would be great to go? And I've never, ever gotten the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's my life. Uh, in my work. Um, I would like to, like, like, what is it? I've never gotten the chance to do yet. That's the question. Yes. That's tough because I've gotten the chance to do so many things. And I've been really uh, lucky and grateful. The things that I've been able to do in my career without planning them, without wanting them, have been so much more than I could ever have imagined that I kind of don't even have any goal because I feel like, well, what's the point? Like something's going to happen to me that's going to be way better than that. And I just can't imagine it because I'm so limited in my imagination, you know. But if you had told me that this was going to happen to me, like all the stuff in my career was going to happen to me, when I started, I was like, oh, no, like I never would have believed it, mm-hmm. you know. So I just sort of feel like, what's the point? I I am just, I am just out here seeing what, you know, every day brings and picking up the phone when my agent calls <laughs> and going like, got something for me today, you know, like literally no, no plan, no long-term plan, no goals, no goals. You kind of just go with the flow. Yeah. 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 I, Cause I just can't even imagine what I could want that would be better than what I have yeah. or what I've been able to do. Makes sense. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. And I, I mean, the fact that you're able to say that and feel that way to me is like incredible that, that you feel like you have achieved so much already that you're just like, whatever comes next is better than what I could say in my mind. Right. Well, that's yes. it because I, yeah, I don't, you know, like what I, I never would have thought that I would be a, a, a series regular on a show that involved being in a musical, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I've been in two shows like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one kind of like just because I was around, like Smash, I didn't really have a part, but like I would show up to set, and then they would just keep calling me back in. <laughs> I didn't have like a contract. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was a great player on Smash mm-hmm. for eighteen. Oh. oh my god! Like you literally like. Okay, like when I first took the job, I was supposed to be on it for like four shows. Wow. Then I just was just like, well, she can come in and sit at that table and look <laughs> like she's doing something. Great. Let's call her next week. You know, like that's mm-hmm. really what happened. So that's one show about Broadway and musicals, right? And then she make a do, mm-hmm. which is, again, if you had asked, I would never have thought that show could even exist. Mm-hmm. That the whole conceit of it was like, we're in a musical. Yeah. And, you know, and you're going to get to do it with like all these incredible Broadway superstars. Okay. But that's not something that I could ever have dreamed up for myself. Right. Right. That's, that's a gift that comes to you when you're like, great. But, you know, and that happened during the pandemic too. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. So again, none of us were in mu- none of us were in a real musical, but we were in this, you know, TV musical. Mm-hmm. But like we were like we were all felt really special and really thrilled to get to do that together because it was it, like being in a show. Yeah, it was well, like we, the perfect time for it to right. to be shown. Like that, it, you know, we needed it. If that pandemic had not happened, those people would not have been free. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, of course, had no job, so I was completely free. <laughs> but it, uh, those other people would have been very busy. <laughs> I mean, like, last week I did a play reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, like, you, do, you go in for, a, like, a one-day, re- you know, like, probably one, one week re- reading of a play, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't know who's in it. And we and, and I, I walk in the room and I'm like, oh, Christopher Maloney. Oh, why is he? Oh, like, oh, right. He can't work because we're on straight. Yes. On TV and film. So TV people show up in your play reading room and you're like, oh, okay. Now there's something was like, what could I ever have guessed? Like that was going to happen? No. Would I ever have dreamed that was going to happen? No. (laughs) Like, Okay, there it is. Hi. <laughs> um, do you have any stories about working with Dolly Parton in her musical Nine to Five on Broadway? Of course, everybody because she was around a lot. Mm-hmm. She um, she would make us fudge in her trailer, you know, in her like tour bus yes. wave or whatever it was. She would bring us the fudge. Um, and she was around in, you know, in the process. So we were in California doing the tryouts and like the set broke all the time. Um, and so she would come out and like sing, you know, the audience, she would be like, hey, and the audience would just be so excited because, you know, of course, they're there, Donald. Right. And then to see her extra bonus. They didn't even care if the show happened. Oh, you meant during so, the show, if the set broke, she would come out and sing. No, no, no. Not during the show, before the show. Before the show, like, hey, we can't get the thing to rise up out of the floor. Okay, Dolly, go out there. Oh, my gosh. He just go out there and just, like, impromptu, you know, do nine to five or whatever. And, like, everybody would be clapping and singing along and hooting and, you know. I mean, like, she had them in a really, really good mood, basically. Yeah. She got them in a really, really good mood. And then, like, either we'd do the show or we wouldn't do the show. Like, whatever the outcome was, you know. But anyway, she was super, super nice. I just, uh, nothing but praise for her. I think she's amazing. Yes, she is. She is. I always end my interviews with playing off of the title of my podcast, which is Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you could bear it all and reveal something that you haven't spoken about in a previous interview, what would you share with me today? I'll tell you what I dreamed about last night. And I kind of up really like, like, agitated for some reason okay so my dream last night is that i was on the stage of the majestic theater mm-hmm. with victoria clark right. we were singing something in harmony uh-huh. <laughs> and i said to her at the end of this i was like that was so great how much longer are you in this show and like i thought like it, what it what what it meant was at the t- in the dream I was like you're still in Phantom aren't you Victoria Clark 
masculine phantoms. Um, and you know, she didn't think it was a weird thing to say. She said something, and I was like, Oh, great, so we can do this project together. And then I woke up and I was like, First of all, why would I think she was a phantom? <laughs> Two, that show ended a really long time ago. What show's going into the majestic? You know what I mean? Like trying to figure it out. Three, right before I went to bed, I was thinking about uh, this episode of Only Murders in the Building. Do you watch Only Murders in the Building? I haven't yet. It's on my list of things next to watch. Okay. Well, in this particular episode of Only Murders in the Building, they do a sits probe. And it's on the stage of the theater. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Everybody knows you do the sits probe at Carol Music. Who would ever do a sits probe on the stage of theater? They're too busy, like, making the set. Right? Okay. Then (laughs) I remembered that when we did Susical on the road at Boston, we did do the sits probe in the lobby of the Colonial Theater. We didn't do it on the stage because they were too busy building the set. But we did actually not do it at Carol Music or the Boston equivalent of Carol Music, whatever that. And like, so this is like stupid shit that goes through my brain before I go to sleep. Okay, so that was in my mind when I went to sleep. And I thought, so does this mean, when I woke up, I was like, does this mean Victoria Clark and I are going to be singing together in a project at the Majestic? Oh, my God. And then, of course, I was like, that's ridiculous, you dummy. She's in Kimberly for I don't know how long. This is never going to happen. You never know. No, I know. Well, that's it. And you never know. So uh, so I guess to answer a whole bunch of questions, that's my goal. Is to be in something with Victoria Clark where we sing in harmony together. More than just a sits probe on Broadway. How's that? That is perfect. I am clipping that and putting it out there. <laughs> and when it happens, we'll remember you said it here first. That'll be like, look at Exactly. It came true. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you for your time today. And everybody listening and watching, uh, you have to go stream, download the new cast recording of the new Peggy and hear Anne's beautiful voice and comedic charm and everything else that Anne brings to the role in this cast recording. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's Adam, Adam Lynch for the business of show. Call me Adam.com